Hello, and welcome to episode 54 of Killer Hangover. I'm Bettina. And I'm Beth. And this week we're going to cover stories from Delaware. Yep. I've got the true crime. Beth has the paranormal. Yep. And the, <laughs> oh, good Lord. And the beverage. Yep. <laughs> and I have to admit something to you guys. A confession? A confession to our listeners. I have been lying to you all for the past few episodes. I have not been sampling any of the beverages we have had on the last few episodes because I am pregnant. (laughs) But that doesn't mean we're not going to drink anymore. Well, (laughs) I'm not going to drink anymore. (laughs) She's still drinking. But I have a substitute that will come in every week. Yep. So our substitute this week is going to be my husband, Alex. And next week, we're going to talk mom's husband, Tom, into being the substitute. Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) To sample the beverages. So like I said, this week, it's my husband, Alex. Hello. So even though I am not sampling the beverage, I still chose the beverage for this week's episode. And I chose, well, there is a brewery called Dogfish Head. Mm -hmm. And I am missing beer so much. But... (laughs) But mom doesn't really like beer, so I wanted to be a little courteous in my choice. So this is actually a Szechuan Sour, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Szechuan Chicken, is that what we're sampling today? <laughs> no, it is a Szechuan. I hope I'm pronouncing <laughs> it wrong. It's not Szechuan. Szechuan. Sure. Basically, it's an adjective used to describe a beer that is lower in alcohol, generally around 4 or 5%, and it's high in refreshment. (laughs) Okay. So I guess these beers, they don't really tend to be too anything. So they're not like too bitter or too hoppy or too malty. This one is a sour. And from what I understand from the website, it's actually more like a kind of a margarita-esque kind of a drink. This would have been good for Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Slamming the microphone in my face. This would have been good for Tom. (laughs) So can we open it or? Yep. Go for it. Cheers. 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 I'll tell you how this is. Oh, that's actually really good. I do like the lime in it for sure. And it's not too hoppy or anything. Just like it says. (laughs) It's actually very good. Is it margarita like? Mm, I don't really get that, but does it um, still taste like a beer? Yeah, I mean, for I, I'm a you know beer's all right, but looks like a beer. Yeah, it definitely looks like it. But I will say, I, I would drink this. This is very good. Well, it's called. It's not Szechuan chicken. It's called Sea Quench Ale. It does have that a good hint of sour as well, <laughs> or a big hint. Mom's face <laughs> shows a big hint of sour. That's yeah, really sour. Okay, that's just weird. And you guys just drink these down like, you know, a few of these every episode. Good for you. Nice. <laughs> it's very limey. I, I, even though they said there's not too much well, of one it, thing, I, this it's is gonna sound very weird, limey. But I, I taste like salt, like, like a rimmed glass. As weird as that. It does sound weird, Alex. I think you're in dreamland. You're <laughs> no. imagining. A margarita I think you're Margaritaville. <laughs> out of this cold salt. Kansas City. <laughs> like a, a good hint of it too. As weird as this sounds, lick the roof of your mouth. <laughs> you can taste it. I'm telling you. Try it. 
are making me very curious about <laughs> this beverage. <laughs> it's very. I'm telling you, there's like a there's a hint of salt and then the sour, but for whatever reason, it works. It's very limey. I'm just mm, limey. So, for do you guys even do a podcast? You just sit down here and get hammered, <laughs> and then and I don't know how they turn out every week. This but... is like the thirtieth take of <laughs> of of drinking these two. So cool. Well, cheers, Mama. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Alex. <laughs> all right well now that that knucklehead's out of here (laughs) let's chat some true crime all right true crime in delaware aaron's upside down right now by the way well if that bothers you i'll turn him yeah we don't want aaron upside down it was a cold rainy night oh this is how it's gonna start okay november 29th three days after thanksgiving in 1987 For some reason, I keep picking these true crimes up right around Thanksgiving. Have you noticed that? Yeah. I don't know. Weird. I don't pick them for that reason. Weird. (laughs) Just likes the holiday season. Anyway. Shirley Ann Ellis had a mission. She was going to deliver a Thanksgiving platter of food to an AIDS patient undergoing treatment at Wilmington Hospital. It was a 14-mile walk from her Newark home. Wow. She left a little before six, hoping that she could catch a ride into the city. Shirley was 23 years old. She had been a sex worker for several years, but had decided to turn her life around. She wanted to become a nurse. Shirley walked along Route 40. It wasn't long before a car pulled up and offered her a ride. Around 9.30 that night, two teenagers found Shirley's body and immediately called the police. Mm. Shirley was found partially clothed. Her pants had been pulled down to her knees and her bra was open. Duct tape was found attached to the hair on the back of her head, most likely to silence her. Her hands and feet had been bound and there were signs of torture and mutilation inflicted by the use of work tools. Shirley died of strangulation and then was struck several times on the head with what looked to be a hammer. Get this, she was not sexually assaulted. Wow. And police determined that she had not been killed where she was found. I, You just, with how she was found, with her bra open yep. and duct tape around her, she was not sexually nope. assaulted. Nope. Hmm. Seven months later, on June 28, 1988, 31-year-old Catherine DeMario was seen walking along Route 40 around 11.30 p.m. She had a history of sex working, but no one knows if she was working that night. She okay. was seen getting into a blue van. Early the next morning, her body was found by construction workers in the apartment complex they were working at. Catherine's body was found in the same condition as Shirley's had, with two exceptions. She was completely naked, and blue carpet fibers were found on her body. Again, she was not sexually assaulted. Hmm. Was there a serial killer? If so, it was the first in the state of Delaware and the only known serial killer to this day. Oh, wow. Good for Delaware. Police put a task force together the next month. Maybe that's why, because they were boom on it. Sure. Well, yeah. The task force consisted of 60 people. Members of the task consulted with the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit. The only connection the two victims had was they had been on Route 40 when they were picked up. 
So, undercover female officers dressed as sex workers walked along Route 40. They engaged in conversation with the men that stopped for them, never getting into any of the vehicles, mind you. Renee Tashner, a young Newcastle County police officer, was among the undercover police. Remember her name. On August 22nd, Margaret Finner, a sex worker, went missing. She was working along US-13, where she had been seen getting into and leaving in a blue Ford van, Mm. driven by a white male. Around three months later, Margaret's body was found near or in, it wasn't clear, the Chesapeake and Delaware Canal. Her body was in an advanced state of decomp, and it was impossible to determine her cause of death. No one has ever been charged with her murder. Oh, no. On September 14th, as Officer Tashner was undercover walking along Route 40, a blue van drove past her seven times. Oh. I guess she had several men stop and talk to her. There's actually, a, from what I read, there was actually a line of men waiting to talk to her. <laughs> and while they were there, the, she noticed this blue van passed up and now, down the street like seven times. At this point, were they looking for a blue van? Were they suspicious of a blue van? They're very suspicious of a blue van. Okay. Yes. Yes. So she makes note. Did she get the tags? Not yet. She thought that maybe the driver of the van would be inclined to stop if she was in a more secluded area. Mm. And she was right. The van driven by a white male stopped when she moved into kind of a, a, it wasn't an alley, but kind of the mouth of an alley. Okay. The man opened the side panel door and Tashner saw that the interior of the van was... Soundproof. Blue. Oh. Including the carpet. Well, crud. But if you saw the inside, it had... Well, if it has carpet in it and it's carpeted, then that would be soundproof. So I was technically right. Well, the bottom is, <laughs> the bottom has carpet on it, okay? But the sides of the van, there wasn't a window. It was like oh, um, quilt, you know, like quilted almost, mm-hmm. but it was that fake leather in squares, but mm-hmm. it, you know, big squares, but there was that fake leather that went along with the color of the van. And okay. the whole, it was like paneled. Oh. So it probably was soundproof with those, but it wasn't made to be sound, you know, it wasn't specially made that way to be soundproof, but it probably was. And there were no windows except the ones at the top. Oh. Or the ones on the So it's side. a shady van. And if it has blue carpet, then they found blue fibers. Well, remember the I'm, year. I've caught up. It wasn't as weird as it would be now. No. Y'all loved shag carpets. Oh my gosh, you remember the, the house? The fans are rocking, don't come and knock. Do you remember the house we lived in growing up? There was a bright orange shag carpet in the living room. Oh, that's right. No, <laughs> we didn't. You didn't grow up there. You, we lived there for a few years. Oh my gosh. And then <laughs> I'll never forget and that. And wood house. paneling. And wood paneling. And this was orange shag carpet. Oh my gosh, that house. It was a nice little house, but it was... But it was a cute little house for the three of us, you, me, and Katie at the time. And a dog and a cat. And a dog and a cat. But that shag carpet, I'll never forget it. She also noticed that the man was acting very unusual. He wasn't bantering or flirting like the other guys had been, you know, trying to pick her up and all that other stuff. Instead, he seemed to look right through her. She's got to be super brave, though, because she's already kind of like in a secluded area. Right. right. I mean, this this gal. And now this guy is just a total heebie-jeebie chicken bumps. Exactly. I mean, she said his eyes were dead. 
Ew. And they just like looked right through her. Ugh, like scary. she didn't exist. So she was able to, and, and the way it described it, is she was, while she was talking and flirting with him, she casually leaned back and started stroking the carpet in the van. So she got in the no, van? No, she didn't. She was standing outside oh, of okay. the van. But like, she kind of... she is brave. Leaned over and just, you know, kind of sexually just started stroking the carpet as she was talking to him. Trying to get but fibers? But the whole time she was grabbing fibers. That a girl. I know. This, this lady, I just definitely have to give her kudos. And then she, he kept saying, get in, get in, get in. And she staunchly refused to get into the van. He got irritated. And after a while, he just huffed and puffed, slammed the door closed, got into his driver's seat and drove off. She did get the plate number. Okay. And they were run. The van was registered to 31-year-old Stephen Pinnell. The blue carpet fibers secured by Officer Tasher were sent to a lab for testing. And? Okay. And? We'll find out. Uh. <laughs> Two days later, on September 16th, known sex worker, 22-year-old Michelle Gordon, was last seen on Route 40, getting into a blue Ford van. Oh, no. On September 20th, her body washed onto the rocks on the banks of the Chesapeake and Delaware Canal. Oh, shoot. It was determined by the medical examiner that Michelle, who was a cocaine user, had died while being tortured. Mm. Her heart already pumping fast because of the cocaine in her system could not withstand the torture. Jeez. On September 19th at 9.30 p.m., an off-duty officer noticed 26-year-old Kathleen Meyer hitchhiking along Route 40. She got into a blue van that had stopped to give her a ride. The officer mm. called in the plate number. It was registered to Stephen Pinnell. Kathleen's body has never been found. Oh, shoot. So that was just somebody getting a ride. But you would think that this word would be spread around with the other sex workers about a blue van. Especially if they know that this is a serial killer. Right. You'd think that they would try to avoid a man in a blue van, right? Anybody. I, I don't know. And you'd think the word would be spread. Right. Hmm. Sorry. Go on. The Route 40 task force was now focused on Pinnell. Delaware Attorney General Charles Oberly signed a search warrant for Pinnell's van. Police found blue carpet fibers matching those found on the victims, as well as hair and blood. They also found a, quote, torture kit. Oh, gosh. Pliers, a whip, handcuffs, needles, knives, and a roll of the same duct tape found on the first two victims. Shoot. On November 29th, 1988, exactly a year to the day since the killing of Shirley Ellis, Pinnell was arrested. Oh. Isn't that crazy? The it exact It took a year, day. but that's crazy. It was the exact day. Yeah. Charged with the murder of Shirley Ellis, Catherine DeMauro, and Michelle Gordon. What I find really frightening and this is when you need to look at the picture I sent you. Yeah, I saw you texted me. I was like, wait, why is mom texting me? Pinnell did not in any shape or form look like a killer. Oh, no, he let doesn't. alone a serial killer. No, he doesn't. That might be a reason why people got into the van with him. He looks like the guy next door that would help you with absolutely worry about him no, at all. He 
I mean, he's just this chubby. And that's his just that's his arrest picture. Simple looking guy. Like, yeah, there's nothing sinister or Richard Ramirez about him. No. And nothing <laughs> really sticks out. No. It's almost like Mm-mm. if he passed you in the street, would you even know that it was him? I mean, could you even identify him? Because there's nothing distinguishable about him. No, nothing distinguishable at all. There's not much about his early family life. He was born on November 22nd, 1957 in Glasgow, Delaware. He was the oldest of two children. On all accounts, he was raised in a normal, loving house. Normal. There's that normal word. He had no criminal record. Really? He was the man next door. Literally looked like one. (laughs) Married with two children. Oh, no. An electrician working to make a home for his family. The only things that might stand out about him was one, he was very controlling at home with his wife and children. Mm. And two, he was very interested in criminology. Okay, that doesn't really matter because we're interested in criminology. (laughs) (laughs) Shoes. He even applied to be a police several times, each time being denied for unknown reasons. Mm. Pinnell's trial began in September 1989. There was a lot of evidence against him, but maybe the most damning was Pinnell himself. Uh oh. His defense had him testify to explain the evidence. He did have an answer for everything, but it was the way he sat in the witness stand. Mm? His eyes are described as being cold and dark, not moving around at all. Oh. And according to DelawareToday.com article, Pinnell explained Catherine DeMaro's hair in his van by claiming that he picked her up, paid her $25 for oral sex, and then dropped her off. He joked that she, quote, gave me $10 back afterwards. Joked? Yeah. The way he described her, said prosecutor Kathleen Jennings, was like she was a piece of garbage that he could just throw away. He's disgusting. On Thanksgiving Day, November 23rd, the jury reached a verdict. Pinnell was convicted of murdering Shirley Ellis and Catherine DeMauro, but they were deadlocked on the murder of Michelle Gordon, who, if you remember, was seen by a witness getting into the van and had died during the torture. She was the one who used cocaine. Okay, right. So I guess there was a discrepancy there. Did he kill her really or did the cocaine kill her? Oh, I don't know. Fair. He, he killed her. Yeah. <laughs> the jury was also deadlocked on the death penalty. He was sentenced to two life terms in 1990. A few months later, new evidence linked Pinnell to Michelle Gordon and Kathleen Meyer's death. He was charged with two separate charges of murder in the first degree. Wow. Now, in a twist, Pinnell asked to defend himself in court. No more lawyers. I'm going to do this. Oh, no. But get this. He pleads no contest on the two murder charges, and he asked to receive the death penalty. He asked? Okay. In the DelawareToday.com article, Pinnell is quoted as saying at his trial, the law was developed from one book, and it's that book I quote from. In Numbers chapter 35, verse 30, whoever kills a person, the person shall be put to death. Mm. Also in Genesis chapter 9, verses 6, whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. Then he goes on to say, this court has found me guilty on the testimony of witnesses. So I ask that the sentence be death 
as said by the state's laws and God's laws. That's all I have to say. Wow. If you notice his words, though, he never admits to killing the victims. No, he says that you have found me guilty. Exactly. And this is your opinion. Yep. And since you find it that way, just put me to death. Yep. Interesting. He never admits to it. On October 31st, 1991, Pinnell was sentenced to death by lethal injection. But under Delaware law, death penalty cases are automatically appealed to the state Supreme Court. Interesting. Pinnell's case was no different. February 11th, 1992, Pinnell stood before the five judges and asked for the death penalty. Still, by the way, refusing to admit his guilt. (sighs) And weirdly enough, he spoke in the third person the whole time. What? And according to... Once again, the DelawareToday.com article, Pinnell said, quote, The perpetrator must have sensed a pleasure in killing, since he did not commit just one, but continued in the same depraved manner on the others. This pleasure is evident. <laughs> so he's speaking, you know, I'm... Yes, that's just... Nuts. He's a weirdo. Nuts. <laughs> if you remember way back in the Green River killing, mm-hmm. when they interviewed Bundy... He did the same thing. Bundy? Mm-hmm. Yep. Remember the cop went down? Bundy was in the Florida prison, and the guy flew down to Florida and, in, and interviewed Bundy because Bundy had said, I can tell you what this guy's thinking. Ah, yes. I know. Remember? I was very confused. I was like, Bundy was not the Green River Killer. <laughs> no. Mom, you're getting your bad guys mixed up here. You're right. He did. Yeah. I mean, he never confessed either. He did the exact same thing. So it was like, well, if I, I were ever if to a... commit a crime, I would, you know, that person is probably going to. I mean, I he spoke if he in took a, third a book person. out of Bundy's, took a page out of Bundy's book. Yikes. <laughs> or a chapter. <laughs> Can't even blame any alcohol. <laughs> so Delaware's only known serial killer and the first man to be executed in Delaware in 46 years. Wow was executed on March 14, 1992, by lethal injection. The hope was that he would answer the question as to where Kathleen Meyer's body was hidden. But Pinnell had no last words at all. None. And to his dying day, he never admitted to the murders. So poor kids. In my research, I found something very touching. As you know, we try hard to advocate for the victims, and all too often the victims are sex workers mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. And unfortunately, as we've heard in the past episodes, these sex workers' murders are often, not all the time, but often not treated with the same attention as no. other deaths. The prosecuting attorney at the Pinnell trial, Kathleen Jennings, said that she received a bouquet of flowers. The card with the flowers read, From the women of Route 13 and 40, you treated us like a human being. Oh, Mom. I know. You make me cry. Doesn't that just... It kind of makes you think, doesn't it? I mean, it's pretty sad that these women felt grateful that someone recognized them as human beings. (sighs) Yeah. So... We, of course, will have links posted as well as a picture of this guy. And you can see for yourself, listeners, friendly neighbor serial killer. He is just not scary at all. Mm -mm. (laughs) But inside. All right, kiddo. Haunt me. Haunt you. Okay. Enjoy that uh, sequench ale there, Mom. They're really cute cans. They're like our favorite color, that mint green. 
It's your favorite color. Mine is turquoise. Oh, but this <laughs> is totally my favorite color. That mint. It's probably why you got it's it. It's really cute. And it's blissfully brewed with lime juice, lime peel, black limes, and sea salt. See? <laughs> he a was lot of right. limes. It was salty. Weird. <laughs> oh, I'm jealous. Enjoy it. Okay. Paranormal time. So I found a lot of haunted locations in Delaware, but many are similar to places we've covered before. And it gets tricky because you discover places are haunted by like one spirit and then it's cold spots, whispers, basically little stories here and there. Right. And so I checked a few places out and I decided on two. The first one I chose for more personal reasons, I guess, because researching it totally freaked me out oh no like chicken bumps and chills all over you're gonna laugh at me because i don't think it's gonna freak a lot of people out but me personally it terrified me maybe it's just me but this is something that would like haunt my dreams (laughs) okay (laughs) okay so there is a cemetery in frankfurt delaware it's called Long Cemetery. The cemetery is very old with gravestones dating back to the 1800s. And an interesting fact that has nothing to do with the story I'm about to share, but there are two gravestones in the back of the cemetery that face in the opposite direction. So they face the woods in the back where all the others face the front of the cemetery. Do you know why they would do that? Suicides? I don't know. But why would it just be those two that happen to be there in the back of the cemetery? I don't know. Unless they're bad killers or something. Yeah. So if listeners, if you know why gravestones would be turned backwards, please let us know. I thought that was really eerie. Weird. Yeah. Didn't you Google that? I didn't. I was creeped out by this story to begin with. It had nothing to do with my story. So anyway, the folklore goes that there was a caretaker there at this cemetery. A few resources said his name was unknown. But then in a video I watched, the guy said the caretaker's name was Leroy Hudson. So his name wasn't unknown? So I don't know. But for the sake of storytelling. It sounds like his name was unknown. Oh, gosh. No more dad jokes for you. For the sake of storytelling, we're just going to call him Leroy Hudson. Okay. Okay. So Mr. He Leroy. He was the baddest man in town. Okay. I'll stop. <laughs> Big bad Leroy Brown. I get it, mom. <laughs> you want me to sing it for Badder you? than old King Kong <laughs> and meaner than a drunk, drunk. <laughs> Junk. Junkyard dog. dog. Or drunk dog. <laughs> that would be mean too. Okay. Anyway. Mr. Leroy Hudson took his job very seriously as the caretaker of Long Cemetery. Now, when he was alive, he did not tolerate anyone messing around or possibly disrespecting his cemetery. And even when he was alive, people of the area were frightened of him. He was mean. (laughs) Not because he was mean, mom, like a drunk dog or the fact that he worked in a cemetery, but because of his appearance. Apparently, he was very tall and slender and would slink around the tombstones of the cemetery. Some resources said he was deformed, but regardless if he was deformed or not, they all said his appearance was very much of a cat man. (laughs) What the heck is a cat man? Chicken bumps all over. Oh, my gosh. He looked like a cat I just picture those creepy actors from the movie Cats <laughs> just slinking around a cemetery and like my toes are curled. It freaks me out. That is so weird. 
Oh, okay. So the folklore says that Catman oh, <laughs> still cares for the cemetery long after his death. Meow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so scary to me. Oh, if people come late at night, he chases them out. Okay. Stop. There used to be this brick wall in the middle of the cemetery. I believe it was part of a mausoleum of sorts. It was said that if you knocked on the brick wall, you'd hurt your fist. <laughs> Catman would come out and chase you. Mm-hmm. It is also said that if you go and just knock on the tombstones, he will also come out. And there was a lot of stories I read. He actually disabled a lot of people's cars and the cars wouldn't start. Oh, that would be creepy. So when they try to get away, their car wouldn't start. Oh, that, that would be scary. Now, over time, the brick wall and the mausoleum had been torn down by the city because of all the teenagers that would go out at night and graffiti and like... And knock on it. Yeah. And so... <laughs> but they were like graffitiing it. And of course. So yeah. they actually had to Sad. rebury the person that was married. That was married. That was married wrong there. with me? <laughs> Jeez. Hey, honey, let's get buried in the cemetery. Buried in the mausoleum. They had to rebury that person mm-hmm. and they had to tear that brick wall down. But the folklore is still there and many people still go out in search of Catman knocking on other walls and tombstones and such there in the cemetery. Okay. I was reading a few comments on different blogs and there are many stories of experiencing their cars breaking down or One from an anonymous person stated, quote, yes, I was just there recently at night. There is a broken wall to the left when you walk into the graveyard. You're supposed to knock on it three times and creepy stuff started happening. We started to get creeped out. And when we left, we saw a little boy standing by the graves. Very scary. Oh, interesting. I will state that on the video I watched where they named Leroy Hudson for WDEL, a news radio out of Delaware. The road in the cemetery has these huge potholes. <laughs> so that could be a reason why the cars aren't starting. Exactly. <laughs> so that's probably exactly why some of these cars are not starting. <laughs> but if you do go out there, just be careful of any potholes. So, yeah. <laughs> But don't dare go look for a cat man. Who would want to go find a cat man? That sounds absolutely terrifying. Who would want to rap three times on hard stones? A lot know. of people do. And it's, I was watching this video. It was like, oh, I started watching the video. It was like 50 minutes long. Jeez. And a few times they're shining like, you know, those really bright like police lights. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you'd call them. Spotlights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Spotlights, police lights, you know. And the searchlights. It's what's creepy is because it's surrounded by woods there in the back too. Right. And so they're shining this like spotlight, and it does look like there's a person. It's bigger than an animal walking, slinking in the background. And I was just like, I can't, I can't watch this. I cannot watch this. <laughs> oh my gosh. It just, I that I don't know why that bothered me so much. Okay, so the next location I'm going to talk about is the Dead President's Pub in Wilmington, Delaware. Let me just say my mouth was watering as I read their menu. (laughs) I miss pub food and a good pitcher of beer so badly because Mm. not just because I'm pregnant because of COVID. Yeah, Just going, hanging out and having a pitcher of beer and some good bar food. Greasy. Oh, man. Food. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, the pub serves 
craft beers, many named after presidents. Uh, The pub opened in 1997, but the building itself is over 200 years old. Oh, cool. It was originally, I guess, like two private homes. And eventually, as their families grew, they combined it to make one big building. Mm Mm-hmm. And the families lived together for a while. And then I actually read on hauntedhouses.com that the basement of the building, which is now a storage area, and the bathrooms, it was used originally as the family chapel for the families that lived there. And a large carving of Jesus was found down there and is still stored down in the storage room today. The building started, like I said, as residential, but over time it became taverns, business, here or there, bars kind of came in and out. And obviously the most recent renovation made it into the Dead President's Pub. Now, what's interesting is that none of the other businesses or restaurants or inhabitants or people that lived there ever mentioned anything about hauntings. Okay. There was never anything terrible that happened in this place. Nothing. Now, the dead president's pub's walls are covered with photographs, letters, maps, and other memorabilia from past presidents. It could be one of these items that brings in the hauntings. Ooh. But the story that I most enjoyed came from hauntedhouses.com. And it states that the pub's hauntings come from a man named Lemonade Mullery. <laughs> Who names their kid Lemonade? Now, there were like little quotes around Lemonade. So I'm <laughs> guessing that's his nickname. Okay. Why? I'm not sure. (laughs) This is as far as it got with his name. But first of all, I have to say that whoever wrote this article wrote very well and made it very fun to read. It stated that Lemonade was a patron of the previous bar in the building back in the 60s. So before dead presidents took over. And (laughs) that just sounds funny. Before the dead presidents took (laughs) over. And he had a quote lusty appetite for alcohol and a love for practical jokes unquote apparently he was known to throw things at the staff (laughs) well there's a practical joke usually that gets people thrown out of bars but the staff and the locals really liked lemonade i guess (laughs) and he was basically a permanent fixture at the bar there and so it was just like I guess a common thing that lemonade was always going to be at the bar and lemonade was always going to be throwing things around. I don't know. (laughs) The story sounds crazy to me, but it gets even crazier because the website claims that, quote, after getting absolutely plastered from a long drinking binge in the bar, he managed to negotiate the stairs to the bathroom, but met his end when he slipped in some urine, which missed going into the urinal and broke his neck. Unquote. (laughs) (laughs) that is how poor lemonade died he didn't like he didn't fall down the steps he fell in the bathroom in the bathroom he slipped in some pee oh my god if you could see her face right now (laughs) (laughs) we're not laughing i'm really not thinking this is a real person so that's why we're laughing as hard as we are i'm laughing at your face okay well (laughs) laughing at your face i don't mean it rude don't mean it that way you're like dead serious oh I am not sure if there was another tenant of the building between the pub that Lemonade died in and the Dead President's Pub. But as the article stated, quote, Dead President's Pub and restaurant have experienced paranormal activity from an entity who doesn't have both oars in the water. (laughs) Unquote. 
I told you this article is great. It doesn't have all these cookies. And even if it was another tenant there between the pubs, like, why would he haunt a law office? Like, why would he care? But another pub moves in? Heck yeah. He'd haunt a law office because he needs to sue. (laughs) (laughs) Shoot, you're right. (laughs) Of course, it is only assumed to be lemonade, but they think it is him, especially when the wait staff have dishes thrown at them. Oh, geez. Followed by the sound of giggling behind them. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) If that was giggling. Stop drinking now. Glasses at the bar will shake and rattle for no apparent reason. Again, is this another prank from Lemonade? Staff and guests alike have heard giggling on the stairs leading down to the bathrooms as well as in the bathrooms. Oh, gosh. I read it was like this maniac giggling too. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And it's heard in the bathroom. So I... I just think about the amount of men who may take great offense to the random giggling as they're <laughs> being in the bathroom. Oh, oh, this part was scary to me too. There's a game room area with dominoes and games and things, and dominoes have been known to float across the rec room. <laughs> what? Now, we have to keep in mind that most people here, I'm assuming, are drinking. But still, can you imagine a floating domino piece? (laughs) At least that's not going to hurt you as much as a plate. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Laughing from an unseen force was the most common haunting occurrence at the pub, which is pretty scary. I mean, especially, I guess it depends on what kind of laugh it is. If it's like a ha 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 kind of a laugh or it's like us like just laughing but don't people laugh at a pub or are they all straight but this is like but giggling is also heard when like the pub is empty oh yeah i mean because it really wouldn't if somebody all of a sudden gets a plate thrown at them i'm sure there's many people laughing (laughs) i wouldn't be laughing if i saw a plate hovering in the air and smashing someone okay makes me the bad person anyway (laughs) During the day, guests have reported feeling drop in temperature, but the sounds of clinking glasses fill the pub even when the building is locked up for the night. Oh, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> and their menu, like I said, looked delicious. Like really good salads and... I bet their beers are good too. Oh, I'm their sure. Craft, yeah. Craft beers are always delicious. Oh, another place on our list. Yep. <laughs> Eventually... That list is getting rather long. <laughs> we'll just go with a baby in tow, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> hey, it's our next pub crawl. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got for you for the hauntings in Delaware, Mama. Nice. Oh, I have to share this with you. I was talking about pub crawls. I read this funny COVID thing. They're like, yeah, I put a glass of wine in each of my rooms in my <laughs> house. And I'm going to have a pub crawl tonight. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's actually really funny. You should try it, mom. I'll set up a different cocktail in every room of my house and then you can just do a pub crawl by yourself. (laughs) That's so sad. (laughs) Come on, Obi, we're going to the next room. (laughs) And we'll start calling you Limeade. (laughs) (laughs) All (laughs) righty. Next week is... Rhode Island. 
Yeah. Boy, we're just hanging out in the East Coast, aren't we? We are. And we're trying to do all the states we have not done yet. I think we're reaching all 50 of them. After Rhode Island, I think we have one more. And then we've covered everybody. Yeah, I think just two more and we're done with all 50 states. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. We might think of wandering outside of the United States. Eventually. Yeah. Maybe we'll start doing that for every 10th episode. But there's enough to keep us here. (laughs) There's enough to keep us busy here. Yes, that's true. Unfortunately, that's true. You can find pictures and resources for this episode on our website, www.killerhangover.wordpress.com. The link to that is in the description of this episode. You will also find in the description of this episode a link to our Patreon, where you can listen to episodes early on, extra episodes, and more goodies are on there. So join us. It's $5 a month. We really appreciate it. It helps go to all these yummy beverages. I really, this Dogfish Head Brewery, this Dogfish Head Brewery had Mm -hmm. tons of different beers. And my liquor store carried a lot of them. Yeah, actually, I have a friend who drinks this. I I don't know about this certain kind, but he drinks dogfish. Yeah, there was a ton. Mm -hmm. There were seasonal ones. There was IP. There was a lot of IPAs. I was like, oh, shoot. This all looks really good. So I got something that wouldn't be as tempting for me. (laughs) Anyway. Obviously, this month we did not have a listener's episode because of mom's surgery. We weren't able to get together to record, but we are still planning on doing March. So March 7th, we will air our listener's episode, which means we need more of your stories to fill that episode. We really want to make up for February's missed listener's episode. That's right. Send them in. Send them in. And you could be the patron of the month for that episode if you join our Patreon, which a link to that is in the description of this episode. And I've already said that. So (laughs) moving on. (laughs) This is another good one, Mom. It was interesting. (laughs) I'm going to think about Catman. (laughs) No, Mom, just stop. We talked about him. We're never talking about him again. Like seriously, even researching that, it was in my head all night. I, I was really bothered by it. You're so weird. I know ghosts and Ouija boards and even like demonic stuff and investigations I've done or I mean that doesn't really I mean obviously it doesn't like it's not like a good feeling (laughs) but that really bothered me yeah some of these do and for no reason (laughs) cat man cheers mama (laughs) cheers love you kid